Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. What a pleasure to welcome somebody to our show who just burned up the screen in a very complex performance as Starbuck in the 2003 reboot of Battlestar Galactica. And since then, Katie Sackhoff has turned in terrific performances in Longmire. 24, really unsung work. Netflix is Another Life, which she also produced. But her work as a voice actor on Star Wars' Clone Wars and Rebels animated series playing Bo-Katan brought the character of the Mandalorian leader to life. And she then became one of the few actors ever to originate a character in animation and make the jump to live action when she appeared in Mandalorian Season 2. And now in Season 3, it's her show. I mean, that's it. It's, it's Baby Yoda who the character continues to evolve and grow in thrilling ways. What a pleasure to welcome Katie Sackhoff to Sirius XM. Hello. Hi. 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 I'm, I can only imagine what these press tours are like for you. It's just, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you're so gracious and Aww. it seems like it's a part of the work. It seems like having to talk to every the, the highest television shows and the yeah. the most humble geek podcasts uh, <laughs> it is part of the job you know I, I i think that um i would be remiss if i th- thought that it wasn't you know it's it's all part of it especially these days but you know i've been doing this a long time now so it's um i love talking to people i love talking to people and finding out what they like about it what they don't like about it it's just i don't know i'm just having a good time you know, it's amazing to think about the physicality that goes with voice acting. Yeah. And it's something that a lot of people don't know until they actually do it. Yeah. And it's so much fun to watch the physicality of this character. I have never seen you so stoic yeah. or so still and yeah. in, a, in a character before. It's the weirdest thing for me because I people tell me sometimes that I need to sit on my hands. I actually have been told by a producer one time to stop moving my face the way that I do because it's unattractive. And if I could sit on my hands at work, that would be nice, too. So, um, so uh, you know, it doesn't always serve me. But she is incredibly still. Like, that's one of the things that I love about her is that if she moves, she means to. And so everything, every subtle movement in her face, every movement in her body is calculated. And it tells you sort of a story about what she's either going through or what she wants you to think she's going through. And and I really love that about her. She's she's just so much fun to watch. I love that for the new season, the character has, in a way, been completely rebooted. She is mired in shame, which we've never seen. Not just the guilt over the loss of her her sister, but she's lost her people, lost her planet, lost her her power. And you sit all alone in a castle with a robot. Um, (laughs) It's it's interesting seeing that the character has been rebooted from a place of shame from a place of needing to rise again. Yeah, I think for anyone who watched Clone Wars and Rebels, they will feel like this was long overdue. You know, this is a woman who has made a lot of questionable decisions, but she made all the decisions believing that they were the right decisions for her her people. And ultimately it resulted in the death of her sister and she feels so much shame and guilt over that. And I think that 
every move that she made after that one moment has been to write the wrong that she can never write. And so that comes with pain. It comes with loss. And I think that she has lost everything. So we find her sitting alone on this castle and people are like, does she move? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I think she's still in shock. I think she's incredibly depressed. Yeah. And she is literally thinking about every decision that she's made up to this point and probably wishing that she could go back. That's what I love about the work. So many great stories, so many great narrative arcs begin with failure. And it's mm. really remarkable to see this character who we've always heralded as being so strong, so strong, yeah. completely stuck. And and it's just great fertile ground to begin a whole new story. And I think that's why so many people are drawing all new inspiration from the character beyond what we've seen before. I think so. I think the one thing we have never truly seen from Bo-Katan is humility. And yeah. so for her to be in a place where she has been humbled tremendously is potentially the best place to start for her. And so I think that she's in this rebuilding phase, you know, I'm curious about about that in your life mm. and, and rebuilding things, because um, the legend I always heard was that you were a child swimmer and that you were yeah. terrific at it and you just didn't love it. And it took an injury for you to finally be able to say this is it's not true. the path I want to be on. You know, when you're a kid and and you're good at something that your family has invested time into and money into to speak up and find your voice and tell your parents that you don't enjoy it and that that should be reason enough to be able to stop was a really, really scary thing for me. I didn't know what I would do outside of that. I thought I would swim in college and just sort of, you know, probably move home and and sell real estate. Like I didn't I really didn't know what I would do. That was like the path. My dad's a developer. So it took me getting hurt to tell my parents that I, I didn't want to swim anymore. And they were so supportive. I think they were excited they didn't have to wake up at 3 a.m. on Saturday mornings after that. And, you know, I was doing doubles. My parents were dropping me off at the pool super early and then taking me super late. And like, it was exhausting. But for myself, it was this rebuilding of, of trying to figure out what I wanted to do after that. And my mom saw an ad in the paper to be Kirsten Dunst body double. Right. And I went down thinking, okay, I'll try this. And I didn't match her. Um, but they asked me to audition for a part in the movie. And my mom took me home and helped me memorize my dialogue. And I booked it. The director from that movie convinced my mom with one scene that there was something about me and to bring me to California. And my mom said, okay, after I begged and begged. And he introduced me to my manager, who's still my manager. So it's been over 25 years. But yeah, it was it was a lot of jump headfirst, blissful ignorance of youth, I like to say. Yes. Well, I, I know your family was very supportive and loving, but were you able to talk about emotions? Was it, was it hard mm. for you to bring up that you didn't want to do this? My family didn't really talk about emotions. We still don't talk about emotions very well, not to dig into too much family stuff. You know, but it's something that I, I think that, you know, we, we talk about a lot of uh, frustration and anger and things like that. But if you talk about vulnerability and, and things of that nature, it's a much more delicate thing in my family. So being vulnerable and being scared and admitting that you, well, self-doubt, that's yeah. a really, really dirty word in my family you know so I think that I think that that helped me very 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 much in my early career because self-doubt wasn't an option so it built that up but I think I had to rediscover that as an adult in you know my 30s I had to find my voice and find my vulnerability and because my vulnerability came out in my characters if you if you watch my work even during Battlestar that character is me the vulnerability in her is me all of that self-doubt was me and I just had to you know, talk about it in real life, not just in my characters. I mean, that that series, that reboot was such a surprise at the quality and the depth of it. And your character was really, for many, the anchor because she wasn't just this tough blonde fighter pilot. There were so many levels. She was so fucked up. She was yeah. so at war with herself so much of the time. I watch it and I can't believe that you had no training, that you <laughs> this was just you doing your thing. Yeah. I like to say that I was a compulsive liar when I was a kid, and that really helped me hone my craft. But I got some really great advice. I was doing a show with here in New York, actually, and I was working with Richard Dreyfuss and Peter O'Toole and Marsh Gay Harden and, and Eli Wallach and all of these amazing oh, the actors. Series. Yeah, the, the series. The, the series. Yeah, Richard the Dreyfuss education of Max Bickford. Yes. And I was working with him, and, and I asked, 
you know, I was like a sponge and I asked Marsha Gay Harden one day if she had any advice for me. And, and she told me to trust my instincts, that, that I had phenomenal instincts, but my default was to work too hard and to try too hard. I think because I wanted to prove that I could act because I'd never studied. Right. And so I always made things more difficult than they needed to be. And so at a very young age, thankfully, somebody sort of gave me that advice to, to just trust my instincts. And I realized that your first reaction when you read a script, the first thing that it makes you feel, that's your gut. And then you just have to find a realistic way to portray that emotion. We're going to take a very quick break. We'll be right back. This is Progress. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. I'm John Fugel saying this is progress. So Galactica was really where you began to develop your craft. It was. Yeah, I was really just joking around on set one day because I didn't really take myself that seriously. I didn't take work very seriously. I did. I always showed up on time. I was always memorized. But I had so much insecurity about my abilities that I really didn't try too hard. I always thought like if I didn't try, if I didn't give it my 100%, then if I failed, it wasn't my fault. Right. Um, and so Eddie almost one day called me out and he pulled me aside and he told me that if I would really listen if I would actually show up and pay attention and listen to what the other actor was saying and really be in the moment that I would be quite good. And I said, well, what am I now? And he said, irresponsible and childish. And I was like, wow, okay. So the next take I showed up and I listened and I listened to him and it was the scene where I was telling him that I was responsible for his son's death and I walked out of the room and it was really me. I'd walked out of the room and I put my hands over my head and I was just sobbing because I felt her. I felt that shame. I felt that fear. I felt all of the things that she felt and I realized for the first time in like my entire career that I was actually acting and I wasn't just faking it. And it was so powerful and I've been chasing that feeling ever since. <laughs> Can I ask about what happened when you were when you were 27 and you got your diagnosis? Oh I've, yeah, I've always found this so fascinating. You've, you've you've talked about thyroid cancer in the past, but yeah, it seems that it really changed your focus in life and uh, even made you a better artist. It did. You know, I think up till that, my life had been been very easy. I'd had struggles and things, of course, but I've never had that level of fear. And I think that it it gave me a well to start pulling from. But the thing that it gave me most, I think, is in an industry that is obsessed with with youth and beauty and um, superficial shit. <laughs> it gave me such a vast appreciation for life and for every day as a gift. And it made me acutely aware how special just waking up in the morning is. And so every wrinkle I earned, every piece of cellulite is a story you know what I mean like yeah. I I appreciate it all because it could all be over in a heartbeat and you know such a fun ride does it impact your life today I mean I'm sure you still have to go have tests and take yeah, meds and things like that. I do you know I every morning I wake up I take thyroid meds so I have a constant reminder that I don't have a thyroid I still have a tumor on my pituitary gland and you know I go every six months to make sure that it hasn't grown but so I, I think that it's just like I said, it's just it's everything is a is a gift, you know, all the things that have been given. And you never you never know what all of it was for until you've been given the benefit of hindsight. And that usually comes at the end. So, you know, 
Did this in any way influence your YouTube channel? I know people want to hear Baby Yoda questions, yeah. but I, mean, <laughs> I, I, I love your YouTube channel because mm. it's so much about health and wellness seems kind of trite to say that's what it's about. Mm. I mean, it's so much about your life and, and your your outlook and, yeah. and who you are rather than your character. I think chasing joy is such a beautiful thing, you know, and feeling alive is such a beautiful thing. I always say that if I work, if I go to the gym and I don't feel like I'm going to throw up, I, I didn't work hard enough. I love that feeling of being alive, to feel my heart rate go super high. It's, it, it reminds me of what my body is capable of doing. And, you know, if, if you wake up in the morning and you've got two arms, two legs, you're healthy and, and a roof over your head and food and the people you love are healthy, you've got more than most, you know, yeah. and you have the ability to do anything. So I, I think that that is something that I, I want to project to people that you can do anything you set your mind to. And you may not accomplish the thing that you thought you wanted, but you will absolutely accomplish something that was exactly what you were supposed to do. You just have to be open to the experience of what life is. And, and you know, you never know. You never know what's going to happen. That is so the vibe you achieve in the YouTube show. Yeah, well, good, Seriously. good, good, good. Yeah, no, I, I, for depression, it, it helps. Yeah, it does. And everyone's depressed, you know? One of my, one of my best friends took his own life and... And I wish I could go back and try to like shake him and and tell him what life was going to be like without him. Yeah. But I can't do that. And so what I do instead is just try to be joyful every day. You know, well, depression's a disease, but negativity is a habit mm. and really easy to, to get caught up. in. Yeah. I, I got to ask one Mandalorian question. <laughs> I had a bunch, but our time is limited. <laughs> you know, it just seems like this show's influence is like the Big Bang. It just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. Yeah. And it keeps getting bigger. I didn't think they could top that season two finale. I thought the show should have ended there. And oh they have God, managed to <laughs> make it a whole new experience. What has surprised you? I mean, you knew coming in, you knew mm. Filoni, you knew Favreau, you yeah. met them, you knew your character, you knew the hype of this show. Mm. But I'm curious, what about becoming such an integral part of the Star Wars world has surprised you? Oh, gosh. I think how overwhelmingly passionate the fans are. Good and bad. You know what I mean? Like, they're just, there's so much passion about this universe. And I think the reason that's so special is that everybody was given everybody has a version of hope from what this was everybody yeah. watched the originals and had that sense of hope and it means something different for everyone and everybody has such you know ownership and sort of entitlement with the the show of what it because it meant so much to them it's a religious um, fundamentalism it for really some. is and so that's a beautiful thing and i think the thing that shocks me the most is how universally accepted Bo has become to everyone and and that's just awesome i think that people like redemption and i think that that they they appreciate the fact that this character ha is on a journey and it's a very visible journey for anyone who was raised in an extremely religious home they yeah. can certainly relate to a lot of the themes and tension between you and and pedro pascal's character mm -hmm. but that's the star wars fan base as well it was a it replaced religion for a lot of boys in my generation and yeah. there's crazy fundamentalists out there there are there are i think that's what's so beautiful about the mandalorian story is what we're seeing right now within the mandalorians are these different sects that that they all interpreted a different historical document if you yes. will they all read the same thing. They just interpreted it differently, and they need to find that common ground. It's so fun to watch your work. I can't wait to see how the show expands. Oh, Katie Sackhoff, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I and, appreciate uh, the time. We'll be right back. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink 
what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's always awkward to do an interview, uh, to do a, a, a brief introduction of you right because there's just it's it's hard oh, for someone in my that, position uh, do we need this you don't need those no oh, uh, you, if you oh, want them you can wear no, them. like that. every every interview i see with you goes like this it's always like uh people always want to talk to you about sequels and reboots and and recurring <laughs> co-star like when's the next ghostbusters what's going on with quantum leap oh my god champions is your first movie with woody harrelson since the cowboy way it's right. always like <laughs> has to be a sequel to something and and i hope to go a bit deeper than that because I want to talk about Warden Leo Glenn on Oz. Of course, your credits from The Crow, Airheads, Miss Congeniality, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, Grace yeah. and Frankie, Penitentiary 2. And now Ernie Hudson is co-starring in the new film by Bobby Farrelly called Champions, starring Woody Harrelson as a disgraced pro basketball coach whose community service assignment is a special Olympics basketball team. It's a remake of the Spanish film Cambonones, and it's one of those true feel-good movies that we really do need to keep seeing in cinemas it is a film designed to be seen with a lot of people in a theater and it's edgy and yet universally mainstream mr ernie hudson congratulations on another uh, terrific movie thank you so much it's, um i'm so proud of this movie and so thankful to have been asked to be a part of it um as someone who worked in special ed i was very curious going into it uh how they would nail the humor and it really does the job of having very edgy humor right. with a cast of developmentally disabled young adults, yeah. a lot of Down syndrome actors in this film, and it is always laughing with them. It, there, it has no wrong steps. It, yeah. They thoroughly really nailed it. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I really uh, give a lot of credit to uh, Woody Harrelson. He, even when we weren't shooting, he'd be out there playing basketball with them, connecting in a very personal way. And I think his uh, accepting of allowed them the freedom to really just sort of soar and be themselves. And um, the performances are really, really amazing. But I just, I really love the way Woody just uh, just made himself available, you know, in a real personal way with them. In my experiences with him, he manages to do that in life and on the set, yeah. almost effortlessly. Very, very true. You know, I've known him for a long time. We worked together years ago, and and uh, I, it's hard to imagine anybody not liking Woody. He just has yeah. a way that he's so charming. And uh, he, he I, I, working with Bill Murray, I feel the same way, but Billy has a little more of an edge, but Woody is just oh, you don't genuinely, say. <laughs> just a little more, <laughs> but uh, but he still has that that humor you know that humor and but what he is uh there's a certain likability that just it's sweet because he's genuine he's very yeah. very sweet it's the irreverence and it's the warmth and and it's the sincerity yeah and that's what i think is what works best about this film i i remember you doing an interview a long time ago when you did the basketball diaries uh with dicaprio where where you were talking about how you're not really a sports guy. You know? You're like, we, we represent the men who, fine with sports, just not a sports guy. Yeah, yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I admire what athletes are able to do. I mean, it's really amazing, but me personally, I've never really played sports. I, I did some uh, Golden Gloves boxing for a while. Oh, I think that counts you as know? athletics, yeah. Well, yeah, until I got beaten very badly by this, this, this older boxer, and I thought, you know, there's gotta be a better way. I don't think this is gonna be my career path but uh was this before or after you were in the yale playwriting program uh, oh this was before this is when i was in high school and um i was um i was winning all my fights and really very very cocky and my trainer felt that um he had a, a friend who was a champion of the marine corps this is a man i mean this guy is he was the marine corps champion in detroit was, yeah yeah okay. and he was visiting our little camp and so my trainer put him in the ring with me to just sort of you know and he just humiliated me. I mean, this guy hit me so hard. He hit me. I didn't think it was possible to be hit that hard. And I, I, I was trying to recover, and he just kept hitting me. And I tried to turn around and leave, and when I turned around, he was still hitting me. This is sparring? This is not even a match? No, it was like a little, yeah, a little sparring. And uh, yeah, and he, it was just, it was awful. And of course, all the, the 
kids who I've been beating up just had a great time watching this. And um, This is the greatest metaphor for the wrong line of work I've ever heard in my life. So I left. I just left. I, just, I walked home and uh, the trainer came to my house and he tried to talk to me. You know, that's what you need to learn. But my grandmother, who raised me, never wanted me to do it in the first place. And so I used her as excuses. And no, I don't want, I don't want to disappoint her. So I, I can't do this anymore. And I never went back. Even though I played the Great White Hope, where That's all right. those skills came back to play, but um, yeah, that was that was pretty shocking. I mean, I, I I remember when you did Great White Hope, and I had no idea that you actually had that much real lived experience. Yeah, yeah, I fought uh, you know for about a year, and uh, like I said, I was um, yeah, and I was a good athlete too. I just um, um, you know I, I think when I would be asked to join the team. I felt it was because I was black, so you think I'm gonna play sports, and so I deliberately didn't. Later on, I realized I probably would have been very good at it, but uh, but actually, I do admire what, what athletes are able to do. Well, I remember in Basketball Diaries, you, you said that there was some expectation on the set that, of course, you could dunk a ball day oh, one, yeah. right? Yeah, no, Basketball Diaries, they, uh, they cast me, and they just assumed. <laughs> well, you're tall, that's gotta be why. But I did learn something. I was uh, When I was training for Basketball Diaries, I got Chet Walker, uh, who's a former basketball player with uh, Philadelphia and Chicago Bulls. He played with a couple uh, NBA, uh, Will Chamberlain. Oh my! You know they 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 came out and gave me a little you know some little training. Um, Sinbad, uh, who played semi pro ball, and what I realized is I could beat them all. Really? Because yeah, because at that stage their legs were gone, their hips were gone, and I was <laughs> no. I was the only guy out there who oh, could actually. So it's, it's like Ali fighting Larry <laughs> like, Holmes. Yeah, kind of it's thing. like yeah, <laughs> but uh, but no, I I just uh, just never just never really made sports it's just not part of my. I, I, I find your grandmother to be a, a fascinating figure, if you don't mind yeah. my saying. Um, I, I know that you you lost your mom as a baby, yeah, and she was both parents for you. And yeah. I can imagine how much it must have distressed her to have you go into a field where you'd get beaten up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think she was um, very, very afraid of that. Almost like when I told her I was going to get married at 18, and she was like, you could just a shock on her face, like, no. No, that's not going to happen. And of course, I did it anyway. And, uh, and later on, I realized that I, I really wish I had listened to my, my grandmother for once. But. <laughs> but you wouldn't be the artist and the man you are if you hadn't made those uh, choices at age 18. You got to make the choices, you know, they, and they got to be your choices. And that's one of the life lessons we, we sooner or later, you know, I have four sons and I realized just shut the hell up and, and let them. Figure it out, you know. That's it, right? Yeah. I mean, mine turns 11 this weekend, so I, I'm, <laughs> I'm just beginning to get terrified. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I have a 11-year-old great-grandson. My son is 57, and um, but still, you know, they're always, you know, I, he, he comes to visit, and it's like, Dad, let's, uh, let's stop and get some ice cream. You know, suddenly he's six years old again. <laughs> you know, so so they, uh, they grow up, but they never really... Never really totally grow up. You know, the, the boxing story is amazing because it, it sometimes you get one day where you realize, OK, I'm not doing this career. Yeah. And I've always wondered, you know, I, I look at your your resume of your early credits, the pre Ghostbuster stuff right. and Penitentiary yeah. 2, which was right. on HBO every day when I was younger. Uh, I mean, you were on Dukes of Hazard. You know, you were yeah. in, you were in Roots the Next Generation, which I really want to ask about. But was there ever a, a job or a moment or a year when you knew, oh, I've got this, this will be my career. Well, you know, my grandmother wanted me to get a good job. That was the only thing. She was just get a high school diploma and get a good job. That was the key to a great life. You know, because she was born in 1895. So a high school diploma actually meant something. But by the time I graduated in 64, it didn't really mean a whole lot. But I did that. I graduated from high school and I tried. I, I worked all kinds of jobs trying, and I never felt comfortable you yeah. know I was always felt like I was very bad at just about everything and I finally found a, a good job um, at, at working with the Michigan Bell Telephone Company as a communication consultant and I had a secretary and a little car but I was awful at it and when, when I was, when was this this, this was, was yeah this was back in uh, after 60, boxing uh, yeah this is after boxing <laughs> okay. I, I finished I got my high got school, high school. Right. you know I got I'm all set for a great life but I just was awful at everything and um and I got married right out of high school, but uh, I was 
I actually stumbled into a theater, the Detroit Repertory Theater. Bruce Milan, who started it, just passed away mm-hmm. a week ago. It was a big shout out to him. So, and I just, uh, I had a, had a fight with my wife, didn't want to go home, went by this theater, didn't know what, even know what it was. I'd never seen a live play. And I went in and I saw this play and it just it just blew my mind. I mean, it was, but it was so amazing. I couldn't even, I couldn't even say that prayer. You know yeah. what I mean? I just, I could never do that. I mean, these are people that are special or whatever. Yeah. That that fall, I needed an elective. And so I took a theater course. And when I walked on stage, I just, I was at home. I knew this is, this is it. If I can do this. And um, that was in 66. Um, and I've, um, I've committed to it. And I've always made my living as an actor. Some years better than others, but uh, I've never had to do outside jobs. I've always been able to, to you know, to pay the bills and, and, and keep things going. My mom was a nun for 16 years and a nurse yeah. in, in Africa and Malawi. And, and she always felt that um, actors and, and true artists have a spiritual path that in mm-hmm. a way being an artist is a ministry. And I've I heard you so. talk about faith before, but yeah. I'm wondering if that was if, if it felt like a calling to you. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's that deep prayer that you say, you know, if, if God, if you just bless me, I'll do the work. You know, I mean, we, um, you know, they, they talk about, you know, you take one step, God will take two. You got to take that one step. I will be, I will prepare, you know, the thing of the brides waiting for the, for the groom to come. And then the one person who was prepared is one person that he takes. The rest just got, you know, so for me, if I do everything that I can possibly do, that the universe will deliver the rest. And the universe always has. It has never, never let me down. And it's never come from, you know, there's a thing in the Bible that talks about put not your trust in man, my yeah. grandmother used to always say. Mm-hmm. And so it hasn't been the people, but it's been suddenly the opportunity comes from someplace, someone I didn't even know. And the person who I did the favor for, the person I expected it to be from, it didn't happen. It's, yeah. But the universe moves in mysterious ways. I mean, Jesus says, as ye think, so shall ye be. That's Absolutely. good acting advice. That's Absolutely. Stanislavski yes. right there. Yeah, that's, that's it. And we're forever learning. I went to, um, <laughs> I went to uh, 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 an academy party, uh, actually last night, and, uh, and I was there and it was really kind of weird and I realized that I had been bringing into these things my own thought pattern and I was putting it off on everybody else. And it was like, after all these years, and suddenly I went, oh, and I thought about it as you think, because you think it's someone else when it's really my stuff. Okay, I love this. Now, what do you mean when you say that you were imposing your own thought pattern on them? Well, I would go to certain parties and I felt like I didn't kind of belong, that people didn't sort of, you know, kind of didn't necessarily want to speak to me. You know, right. when someone comes up to me and say, hi, Ernie, now I can have a conversation. But if I got to be the one to go and initiate the meeting, uh-huh. and so it's awkward, and then I think they're being not accepting of me on some level. Yeah. And in my head, I got this thing going. You're playing a trick on yourself. Yeah, and then suddenly I realized that my not extending myself, I'm blaming them, but this my stuff. And I actually went back to when I'm th- like three, four years old. Because not having a dad, yeah. growing up the way I grew up, I was always afraid to be around people because they would say things, and I didn't want my feelings uh, hurt. So I would always be cautious. You're a man who's done the work. That. You've done the work. Yeah, I've been carrying that a long time, <laughs> oh. and I thought, whoa, that's there's nothing to do with them. You know, there's nothing wrong with just going over and saying hello. But uh, somehow I, I feel that, yeah. So there's a lot of stuff going. On. But that's like acting again. I mean, in, until you've actually done the work you don't realize how much work goes into yes. looking casual being yep. the most relaxed guy in the yep. room takes a lot many hours of prep before <laughs> you can go there and breeze through something yeah yeah no absolutely your I job is making people think your job is easy I, I, totally yeah I, I tried comedy for a while short while and uh <laughs> and you, you want the joke to be like it you told it for the first time yeah. even though you've told it many many times i mean it's almost like you just thought of that line uh-huh. at this moment so yeah, the fear helps the with that. The fear helps. Fear, fear helps. Yeah, you know, and I think for me because I was really shy in a lot of ways, I knew that nothing was going to happen if I didn't initiate. So I know how to go in and you know, but that's work. Yeah. But there's a part of me that always wants it to come to me without 
and that way I know you love me, you know. Right. And so, but if, but I've never been able, been patient enough to wait for it to come. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back. Ernie, how do you get to this legend that you, the legend is that you talked your way into the Yale playwriting program, that you Uh, drove there and talked your way in? Yeah, yeah. Uh, how did that happen from having a steady job right. to then suddenly you've joined the circus and you're becoming a playwright? Yeah. You didn't want to study drama at Yale, huh? Uh, yeah. No, well, I had, um, I never knew I was going to go to college. I mean, I got out of high school. I had a D average. I mean, I'm my life was pretty much over. I married a girl who was having problems at home and she got pregnant right away. And suddenly I'm like, oh my God, I, I got a job as a janitor. And and I looked around and I thought, this is this is it. And little poor town in Michigan. And, um, and so one night about three in the morning, I woke up and I, I just got on my knees and, you know, my grandmother would say, you speak, you know, talk to God from the heart and you can, it's asking is the biggest thing. You've got to be able to ask. Yeah. And I just, I knew as a baby coming, I don't, you know, I didn't have a dad. I want to be a good dad. And so, um, yeah, I went back to sleep and a voice came to me saying, um, get up and take the tube out of the back of the TV. And I went downstairs and I took the tube out. It was back then they had these little tubes in the yeah. back of the, and the TV didn't work. And suddenly uh, my wife, then wife, we started to talk and I realized she read a lot and she started me reading and we started to talk about what if, and our lives changed. She went on from to get a, a PhD, but that was the biggest. And then suddenly I never planned to go to college but you start to answer those questions and you thought, you know, I realized that my only hope was to go to college. And after I graduated from uh, Wayne State in theater, I wanted to get into Yale and I applied too late. <laughs> but um, you follow that little voice. So I drove to New Haven and uh, met the dean of the school and so. <laughs> Just talked your way into Yale drama. I got a, got a scholarship and suddenly I'm at <laughs> Yale, you know. I think it will be very hard, but I think the impossible happens, but you've got to believe it's possible. And one of the things that frustrates me is I see so many young people who don't believe they have a shot. Yeah, you exactly. Know, they just don't believe there's, and if you don't believe you have a shot, then what's the point of trying? But that's that's yeah. faith, right? And that's in many ways the crisis of what religion has done to faith. This yeah. is my soapbox, but right. I mean, because of the, the hypocrisies of these men in funny hats. Uh, yeah. So many people are so turned off to the idea of it. And what you're talking about is, I mean, the first step towards getting what you want is deciding what you want. You Telling the want. universe, I want this, is articulating. And you don't know what your dreams are until you can put them into words. You, absolutely. And, and the thing that, that bothers you the most is the thing that reminds you what you most want. You know, when you see something and you really think this is really bad or, you know, my life is going, what do I really want in exchange? And if you can identify that, then that's the ask. And if you can ask, the universe will shape itself. You know, me, the hardest thing I ever had to overcome was accepting the fact that I didn't have a dad. I don't have a father. Yeah. Now, my friends, they might have a dad in the house, but they know who they're, I don't know who he is, right. what he looks like, what he sounds like. You lost and your mom he, at two months, but you yeah, knew who you, you know who your mom is. I know who, I knew who she was. I got a picture of her. Yeah. You know, I'm with her mother. I got my aunts and uncles but I don't know who this guy is. And I got a brother, but we don't have the same dad. 
So that was hard. Now, my grandmother sat me down and said, I want you to know we may never know who your biological father is, but God is your father. And I'm like, yeah, well, God is everybody's father. And she said, yeah, but everybody don't know it. I want you to know. And it's personal. It's not just some, you know, you can speak to that spirit and it will respond to you. It's a, it wants you to have a great life. And so this I've is what law of attraction that, says. Yeah. This is what all the new age stuff it's, says. It's, yeah, and it's and I and a lot of people pass things off. In fact, sometimes it's a little <laughs> it's a little awkward for me to like I was someone saying, "What's your New Year's resolution?" And I, and I brought up some things that I want to do. But truth of the matter is, my real resolution is I just want to find love. Yeah. I want to find not just in in people, but in things in yeah. life and in my career and. The love is the, mis- is the thing that I'm looking for. It was a thing about uh, how do you find oxygen at the bottom of the ocean? I heard a person say this. Yeah. And they said, well, you find it because you have to bring it yourself. And I think love is the same way. Tell, tell me a job where you experience that kind of love. Because we think about this happening on stage, but it right. happens on, on film and television as well. Yeah. I mean, what is a, 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 a job you did right. where you also got to feel that love, that what the Catholics call presence of the Holy Spirit, right. that that spiritual thing that is love, but it's apart from love of people and love of, of, of romance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That I think when you're like, it's not play. the crow, I'm guessing. but like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, but sometimes it comes in a different way. The crow was such a wonderful relationship with Brandon yeah. um, Lee. Sometimes it's with the people, but sometimes you're you can find a character. The hand rocks a cradle. Yes, well, you know yeah. I found that, and it was a character who had uh, disabilities, and that could have gone the wrong you way know, with the wrong actor. It could have gone the wrong way, and uh, and I researched and I found in this this community of disabled people, there was a genuine you know love. I'd go to some of their they'd have dances um, in L.A. County. You go to these dances, yeah. and I remember going, and people would. Um, they were so happy to see me, and I thought it was because I was in Ghostbusters. And no, they just weren't really. And they were happy uh, to see was, you. There was a genuine innocence or humanity or whatever. And being able to to feel that, to tap into that part of you, because it's we're all in this thing, and we're all you know each other. We really look for ourselves, but we also look for God in each other. If, and, if we realize it, we're all constantly barraged all day to distract us from that reality. Exactly, and, and to hate each other and think that the other is yep, the other. Right. And so when we get past our own stuff and we can see, if I'm really saying a prayer and I'm asking God, I'm really asking a part of you. Yeah. And so it's important for me to 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 see that in you. Whoever Maybe hates a brother and a sister is not in the light. Exactly. You know, yeah, how do I know the father if I don't know the son? I mean, I just so it's very when I do the work and if I can tap in, if I'm there, if I'm if I'm present, if I show up. But it usually comes after I've done the work. Of course. You know, when I've yes. really worked and I go into a rehearsal and I and I take it to that place, then it's never you never hit the ceiling. There's another place beyond Always. that place. You know, what I mean? when you don't prepare, then you don't bring. And I find that a lot on yeah. sets. You know, people will just show up, but you didn't do the. You didn't come prepared. So at best, we're going to just get through this thing. But if we can all show up on point, then it's a different. It's a different. That's it. I mean, I, I say my religion is the rehearsal process. That's church. That's the ritual, and yeah, you get a lot yeah. out of it. But. Like a show like Oz, which is my favorite character of yours, I, I would imagine you probably got a bit more rehearsal time on that set than you would on a lot of films where you show up and hit your mark. Well, or was it was it kind of rushed and you know you well, had to shoot was, a lot yeah, of scenes? Well, it was fast, you know. But what you knew is you're working with people who really, really were going to show up and going to be good. People bring out the best in you. Mm-hmm. One of the things Hollywood does is they'll get an actor who they're not really secure with, so they'll cast someone who's less secure so that it won't make him look bad. So then nobody's good because, <laughs> but you really want the best people you can get because they will make, I've had, I've worked with people that um, I would, after rehearsing, I'm, I, I would go home and think, okay, I got to get this myself because this person is showing up. Raise I'm, not gonna, yeah. I'm not going to be the only guy out here, you know. So we bring out the best, and 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 I think in life that um, you know when we show up, we we demand more of ourselves. You're not asking anyone else to, but that is. 
that's the light they see, then they strive for that. I think, you know, I think there's something in that. So it seems like it wasn't like a moment where you realized, oh, I'm going to make it as an actor. You didn't need that moment because you knew you were on the path you were supposed to be on. Yeah. And this is where, and so, and when it comes to me, because I don't always know what that is, it comes to me, you know, suddenly at three in the morning, I'll, I'll, you know, go, oh, let me try this. Or let me, let me send a, a note to this person. Let me do this. Made me make a you know it it it's it's like it unfolds yes. and you follow that now if you're afraid to follow it or you're embarrassed to follow it or you think whatever then you don't realize but that journey is an unfoldment life is like that and that's the, the joy and the beauty of it because you discover things you didn't even know yes. you know um, that's um, <laughs> but if you play it safe uh, and we're so caught up a lot of times in what the other person or the other people will think as opposed to what do I really, what is my intent? But that comes back to faith, right? Faith in yourself, not in a religion or a dogma. Just don't stop playing it safe. Exactly. And that's, and I'm not a religious person. You know, my grandmother's, I'll say she was religious. She was very into the church. Same here. Um, But uh, no, I'm I'm not that, but I, I do believe there's a greater you know, being that I'm a part of, that is a part of me that I am and, and and you are. And I think that's the love. That's what we look for. That's to reach for that better place, to be better choices, to be the best I can be. I mean, I'm 77 years old. You know, I, <laughs> if I'm here, I want the best life that I want to honor those. You know what I mean? I want to be that. I don't, you know, to be, I want to find love in my kids. I want to find in, in the world. You know yeah. what I mean? That's, Otherwise, what's the joy? And it's not, I used to say, you know, if I'm going to be uh, an old black man, I want to be an old black man with some money. Or I want to be an old black man who's got good health. All yeah. that's true. But the truth is, I want to be a man who loves. You know, who, 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 who's kind, who is, who, who just appreciates life. Who, that is know, what, that, that's, that's the kind of man the world needs. And that's, yeah. And I think we, uh, by example, we demonstrate what's possible because so many people are yelling what's not possible. And I think that is what disheartens so many young people because all they hear is what is not possible and what's going to have the awful things. And I think, um, and I'm so happy like this movie champions that we see because we, we write so many people off and we see that, yeah, no, there's potential there. There's exactly, you know, possibilities are limitless if we just allow and again, that's what I like the most about the film as well. These are kids who are uh, obviously have the strikes against them in their life, and yet it could have gone crass. It could have gone. Right. It could have gone way too dirty or way yeah, too raunchy. Yeah. But instead, it manages to be like edgy humor. I was right. watching. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can watch this with my ten year old. And then it's completely heartwarming at the same time. Exactly. It's a yeah. tough balancing act. It's a very tough one. Yeah. I, I want to ask about Warden Leo Glynn, if I if I could sure, just for yeah. a second, because yeah. I thought that that's one of my favorite things you've ever done because Thanks, I yeah. there were so many levels the character kept growing and evolving over the seasons so much yearning so much desire to do well and yet constantly meeting the frustrations that these men are criminals who want to kill people right. I love the character's arc so much and I will tell you I just fucking hate how he died I hate <laughs> how Warden Glenn, it's been 10 years and Mr. Hudson, I'm still angry about it. You know, how they knocked you off. Yeah, it was, uh, and, and Tom Fontana, who I love, he's a friend. Love him, great writer. Just, just, I, I came into town to do, he has a show called City on the Hill. Yeah. I came in and did a couple of uh, episodes. <clears throat> uh, Eldest Hodge, I played his dad uh, in that. So, I, so no disrespect to no, Tom. No, I, I love the show. We're doing the show and I would always complain. I would say, Tom, you know, uh, Terry Kenny. Um, every time there's a woman on the show, he gets the women. He's always, you know, there's always these love affairs. And so why, you know, I never. So finally in the last season, he brings, there's a woman. I know. Comes on. And it's his ex, right? It's his ex. Yeah. yeah. And I so the, she comes in and she sits in my lap. And then the next scene, I think I die. You yes. know what I mean? It's like, uh, like what? What? Like, and and how did I die? I mean, it, how it did never you, really. It's like it's so. You're wearing a tuxedo <laughs> in a jail. I mean, I, yeah. and then suddenly you're covered in blood. Right. Yeah. And the guy, and he, and wasn't from behind. I mean, somebody slipped in. No, it's right in my chest. In your chest. So, um, yeah, I, um, and I think maybe um, I was in makeup, and uh, I was saying to the makeup, um, I said, well, first off, I'm on the show. They guarantee me so many episodes, so I know I'm not going to die because they got to pay me. 
that was the joke. I think yeah. Tom must have heard it. And went, oh, really? So, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> so. I mean, they were wrapping up the season anyway, but oh, yeah. it was of yeah. all the deaths on that show. Yeah, no, it never made any sense to me. I told Tom that, but uh, I'm still mad. You know, I I, I love doing the show. What a great cast of people, and I, I really think it really had an impact on TV. And and uh, yeah, and that character was it was always kind of unfold trying to find the bottom of you know yeah. what what an awful situation to be in. And I, I based it on a well, not based it, but I, I just remember on a character who was the the head, the first black warden of Leavenworth Prison. And uh, his dad had been a minister, and he talked about his work as his ministry. Mm-hmm. And to be there and to want to do good, but like you say, you're surrounded by these people who really have bad intentions. Yeah. And um, no matter how he tried to get to the bottom of Leo Glenn never got to the bottom of anything. Oh, no, no. You know, because it's, there's Broke no bottom. It just keeps going. It just keeps going. But um, I love the character. So thank you so much. I don't um, get a chance to talk about uh, Leo Glenn. Uh, it's it's just a lot of great work in that in that character. Um, and, and before I, I say my goodbyes, I, I'm legally obliged to ask a question about Ghostbusters. My question is, if you were committed to a Ghostbusters 4 beginning shooting in March, would you right. even be allowed to tell us? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I mean, yeah, I think they've, I don't know, nobody told me not to. I mean, I know we've, uh, you know, my representatives keep saying it's all worked out and where I'm like, yeah, but I haven't signed anything. Yeah, has a deal you know? been struck? So I keep waiting like, to hear yeah, you weigh in. You know, I want to be able to celebrate. It's like, but they, you know, so I'm assuming it's going to happen. And um, I know that I think everybody, all the guys are coming back, you know, so nobody told me not to say it. So I, I have no idea. But I did. I have read the script. It's a great script, and it's really. I think the fans are going to love it. So uh, Jason Reitman, who um, you know, Jason said, Ernie, I know that there were some things done in the past, but I want to in the recent you past. Know, you know, yeah. And he says, I want you to know that you know, I don't want to make this movie without you, and um, and I want to make things right. And I really appreciate him saying that. And, you know, it's uh, the guys have always, which I've always said, been great. And I will say, because a lot said about Bill Murray, we, mm. <laughs> but from day one, Billy has always said, um, I got your back. You know, he was the only one that said, uh, I won't do uh, another movie unless Ernie's in it. So he's just always been really very, very stand up, you know, with me. And I just I just love him and appreciate him. He's he's Bill. But I I just I just have so much love and respect for and of course, Hal Ramis and, and all. So it's, it's a wonderful experience in so many ways. But it was also, you know, challenging and it continues to be. I love that we talked about some of the deepest subjects in art and spirituality, and everyone's going to pick up on the last two minutes when we talk about Ghostbusters 4. <laughs> Exclusive Inside Scoop. We caught up with Ernie Hudson. Get this, people. Um, sir, right. it's a pleasure to have you back on our show. Thank you so much for going so deep. I really appreciate it. I, I've, I've loved your work for so long. You are always the most relaxed guy in any set I see you on. You always make it look effortless, and it's really a pleasure to, uh, to thank you for all the great performances. Thank you. I, I take that to heart. I appreciate it. Thank you so much.